Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. You know, we used to call it a podcast, but it's so much more than that. It's, you know, it's video, it's audio, but it's also information you can apply to your farming operation for greater success by shortening your learning curve. Today, we're talking about biologicals. We have on with us two people from Hefty Naturals, the brand manager of Hefty Naturals and their lead agronomist. We also have South Dakota farmer Lee Lubers. Lee Lubers has been using some of the Hefty Naturals product line since crop year 2016. He has a pretty good track record with this. You know, biologicals, if you're paying attention, have exploded. They're the hot new thing. You go to the Farm Progress Show, biologicals, you know, between yardsticks and FFA kids carrying around free crap from all the vendors, it's biologicals, let's face it. So anyway, what's behind all this biological rush. What are they really doing? What do the hefty products do specifically? And why is Lee Lubers obviously enamored enough and proven enough because he's a business-minded guy. If you're paying attention to cutting the curve, you know, in past episodes, he's talked all about the return on investment, the money. This is a business after all. He's using the products for year after year. There must be a good reason. You're going to hear what those reasons are. We're also going to be very honest with you. And we're going to tell you some of the things we've learned, some of the mistakes we've made. So it's a great episode talking about biological Welcome to the show, one of the founders of Extreme Ag, Lee Lubers. Hey, everybody. All right. The lead agronomist that works with you on your farm from Hefty is Rob Fritz. He's sitting here. If you happen to be viewing rather than watching, you see him. He's the guy in blue. And then the brand manager for Hefty Naturals is sitting there in the red plaid. That's our friend, Matt Thompson. Uh, Guys, real quickly, background on Hefty Naturals. You're a, a division of Hefty Seed up there in South Dakota. Uh, Brian and Darren and the Hefty Boys, tell us a little bit about what happens there. Yeah, so Hefty Seed Company, 49 locations, 10 states, you know, scattered all across the upper Midwest, all the way down into the Mississippi Delta. Um, Now the ninth largest retailer in the United States. And we've learned very quickly that the biological space has been an area of a ton of conversation. And, you know, ultimately the biggest competitor in this market space is the untreated acre. And that's strictly because of the growers' uh, unwillingness and skepticism that these products are snake oil. And I mean, the reality is, you know, these types of products have been in the market for 30 and 40 years that have shown some success or no success at all. So ultimately, what we did within the Hefty Naturals portfolio is try to go to where the true experts are within the business and uh, link up with these, these particular companies uh, to highlight their products and, and really our number one job within the Hefty Naturals portfolio is the educational front. So um, the last thing we wanna do is is try to sell or recommend a product on an acre that doesn't hit on year one. It's that much bigger of a barrier to get out there on years two and three um, with the already opinion of what this market is. Yeah, we've been testing the naturals for years. 
Uh, we used to be an inoculant was where this kind of all started way back in the day. And we did a massive test of every inoculant we could find. And that's kind of when we first started to realize that, hey, some of the ch choices we made were actually able to dictate a quite a different differing response and like this in the soybeans. And so then that kind of branched out to products uh, like our NutriCycle, uh, and then it evolved through to Heat Shield and now NutriShield. And these things are, we test them heavily. Uh, one of the, that's one of my jobs is to take them to farmers to help farmers make plots that they can test them on. And then we test them ourselves. We have a very, uh, a very broad research department here that I'm glad to be a part of. And we make sure these things are consistent. They do what they're supposed to do. And one of our keys to success, we believe, is we use a lot of different species within our product lineup. So when you look at like a NutriShield, you know, we're talking 30 species in one container. And that really helps us to bring consistency to every acre. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool that Lee is on here today. I mean, if we really look at the Naturals portfolio, a fair amount of the products that are in there are products that Lee had been using and said, you know, you guys got to be looking at this stuff. I right. mean, there, there's a lot of stuff in our portfolio that growers have come to us and said, we've seen this or we've looked at this. Is it worth our while? And, you know, with, with our ability and, and the scale of what we have, we can test a lot of these products. So uh, I really feel a lot of the Nationals portfolio has been farmer driven from the ground up. And, uh, you know, again, we just we really want to educate this space because a lot of times, you know, you take a product like Heat Shield, that's a living organism that we'll talk about. People have to have the understanding that it's a living organism. And, you know, there's a lot more things we can do it, to it on the detrimental side that will literally kill the product before it even goes into the field uh, that you'll see no success because the product is dead. So, you know, this this biological space or natural space is one that. Uh, these growers are going to have to be forced to become educated on because it's no one broad acre conversation and it's no one dump it in the tank and run like a herbicide, insecticide or fungicide. That, that's the biggie that I'm thinking here. You know, uh, you, you grow up and I can name all these old product names from lasso to dual to, you know, all this stuff that Lee knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, you just you know, threw it in the tank and, uh, you know you went out there and you put lots of gallons on also man oh man you went out you just put a lot of gallons of on and, and all that so when people my neighbors here in the suburbs of phoenix where i live during the winter is it true they're spraying all of these poisons on the crops and they didn't do that in the old days i said when do you think they didn't do that? Like in the 1970s? Like, it's, like if you realize how much better we are, we're using, like you said, naturally occurring uh, uh, chemistry that we're using now and all the things we're doing so much better. But what you just said there, Matt, is so interesting. And the old, if that stuff sat in a shop for a couple of years, it still probably works. This stuff you're talking about now, it ain't going to work if you're not handling it correctly because it's not the same stuff. So that's right. Before we get into that, I want to talk about Lee. You've been using some of their stuff uh, going back to five crop seasons or six. Mm -hmm. um, and I want you to tell me your evolution into using biologicals. And then I want to hear specifically which one. I'm going to let the, the hefty guys tell us about that. Oh, my gosh. Us and biologicals and PGRs and everything related to that, it's well over a 20-year journey. And... 
trying, we've, we have tried numerous things and uh, a lot of failures. Uh, some was from inferior products or from, uh, we were not applying correctly. And luckily that's many years ago, getting introduced to Hefties and their key people, we finally had a conduit where we could talk and exchange ideas like, hey, have you seen this? Yeah, I've seen that. Then we go off in this direction and we'd both get trying the same thing and actually get something replicated to start getting some data. Uh, one thing we figured out years ago on, in biological marketplace, a lot of companies, they're marketing something with a really low count. People, when they see 10 to the third, they go, oh my gosh, that's a big number. No, that's like 10,000. That's like, uh, to be blunt, I could pee more biology than that. I mean, uh, it's great working with these products now that are refined where we're working million and billion in uh, populations, you know, per acre. So we're having a way more concentrated product, much more stable. Uh, years ago, we'd try some products, we'd see no, no yield response. And the only remark you get from the company that you tried it from is, well, it worked for everybody else, you know, gee, it didn't work for you. And next thing you know, they're not even in the business anymore. So that was kind of an evolution of the business too, is weeding out some of the players that probably shouldn't have been in the game. Mm -hmm. And that was, like I said, so nice getting hooked up with hefties and their key people is they were as passionate about the potential as we was, and we we're willing to work together. So we were throwing back and forth ideas, uh, different products. Uh, they would bring stuff to us and say, Hey, try this. And, and, and we did. And the nice thing about it is it's unbiased. You're putting it in your own field, real world conditions. It's not in a greenhouse. I, I, we learned years ago too, if somebody showed up trying to sell you a biological with pictures from a greenhouse, not interested. Mm -hmm. I in real life, two different things. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of evolution during the 20 plus years. And we have learned more in the last five to seven years than all the years prior in our operation. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and, and, and talk about a product specifically, a product called Heat Shield, but I'm going to start off from the very beginning. What is this stuff, Mr. Thompson? You know, Heat Shield is probably one of the most interesting products we have in the portfolio. So this product, 2016, is ultimately when we got it in our hands and, and commercialized, but it took nearly 20 years for this product to get developed. And uh, you had scientists from the University, the University of uh, the Montana State University and the U.S. Geological Survey that were working out in Yellowstone National Park. And they found these plants that were actively growing in thousand plus degree temperature water of the geysers there in the park. And they had this curiosity around, why do you have these living mechanisms in this crazy environment that are actively surviving? Um, it took them 10 years to identify that there were strains of trichoderma that were basically tricking the plant into thinking that the stressful environment that they were living in was not a stressful environment. Um, took another 10 years to develop that product and AST applied symbiotic technologies out of uh, Washington are the ones that created and developed heat shield. Um, so we've had heat shield since 2016 and six strains of trichoderma harzanium. Um, Whoa, what that? Yeah, six strains of trichoderma. Huh? 
Yeah, so trichoderma, um, and basically what they are, they're living fungi that uh, interact within the plant and help the plant from a stress mitigation standpoint. So we had it uh, in ours, as really where it started was a seed treatment. Um, so every bag of hefty corn and any bag that's treated with hefty complete as a seed treatment on soybeans is where heat shield really evolved. Um, and since it's become a product that can go in furrow into a row starter mix, or it can go into a foliar market. But um, now we start to have a conversation around it being a living organism and what that entails to keep that thing alive. Yeah, it's actually pretty neat. It operates in the intercellular spaces. So it can, it can, um, it's in the root mass of the plant and uh, it doesn't really translocate up within the plant, but it allows that fungus, it, since it's operating in the intercellular spaces, it helps the plant uh, really tackle its water balance. And it also puts out hormones that make, which we talk a little bit about hormones in other ways that we can help control the plant and how it grows. But this keeps the plant calm and says the stress level is reduced. It's actually pretty interesting. We see some of our best results in actually environments uh, you know, to the west, like Lee's, where we get really hot. And then the plant will actually uh, be less stressed in those hot environments. Yeah. And it's a natural thing. I mean, we could spray fungicides and get some response. And actually the fact that this plant is actually able to have fungicide sprayed over that plant, and it doesn't actually control the heat shield, it actually can survive through a fungicidal pest. That was going to be one of my questions is that, is that this product heat shield is derived from living fungi. Matt just told That's me right. that. So then all of a sudden, let's say something crazy happens in Gregory, South Dakota, they get summer rain. We know that doesn't really happen, but let's just say hypothetically it did, that they actually got summer rain up there where Mr. Uh, Luber's farms. And then all of a sudden it, they have a, a fungus problem. Then he goes out there and whacks this stuff with a fungicide because he's going to have a serious yield problem. It doesn't do, it doesn't offset the benefits of heat shield. No, because heat shield will survive any fungal application because its mode of action or it's 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 a different kind of fungus than the funguses that you're talking as a foliar fungus. But it's, a, it's an interesting conversation though, Damian. So as, as heat shield is living in the plant, fungicide interaction with that, no issue. But if we were to take some sort of triazole, for instance, and mix, and, and mix it in the same mix with heat shield, yeah. as it's in that environment in the tank before it gets sprayed, it's super detrimental to the yeah, success. It's, it's going to kill it. Though. You know, so so heat shield is one of these products that we've somewhat struggled with because, you know, say in a foliar environment, I mean, last year in our contract research with wheat, you know, a single application of heat shield at the boot stage in wheat was anywhere from a five to eight bushel bump because we're maintaining the stress balance in the plant. But convincing a grower to go out and only make a heat shield application with just water uh, becomes tricky. Especially to do that on wheat, you're driving over a, a you're so, driving over a pro, a plant that is. Would you say four to six inches? It was at what level was the wheat? The boot stage. Boot stage, yeah. which yeah, that's so your foot or so. Yeah, foot tall. So depending on the wheat, you know. So that's that's been the learning moment for all these biological products. Is is what can go in the tank and what can't go in the tank. And I think the the cream of the crop is rising to the top right now in this space where. You know, you look at a relatively newcomer to the market, Corteva with Utricia, 
but the amount of work that they've put into understanding what can be and can't be mixed with that particular product is going to bring them to the top of the market. And it's a lot of the work that we're doing as well. I mean, right now we have over 50 products sitting in the lab being tested with AST, trying to get a better understanding of what can go with heat shield and what can't go with heat shield. Because the last thing we want to do is kill the product before it gets to the plant. The, the biggest part about this that is scary is a lot of products that we deal with. Just pick a random one. We'll just say Callisto. Companies will bury antifungal products in them uh, so that the product stays good for 30 years in the tank. Okay. Well, that antifungal product will destroy heat shield. It's unknown if these products are in that product. And it's our job to, you know, take the big hitters and get them tested so we don't surprise our, our customers. Okay, so and, and that's an uphill battle. Answering that question, since the high antifungals or they've been put into products that we've been using for a long, long time is what I'm hearing you say. And you've yes. got something here that's derived from fungi. It, it doesn't, if it's, if it's, if it's in the plant and they spray antifungal, if you spray a fungicide on top, it don't hurt it, but it's a matter of in the tank, it does. Right. You right. said though that you apply this because it's a liquid, you apply this uh, at planting. So Lee is putting this on in what we call what the two by two thing when it's going right there. Kind of explain to me your application, Lee. Uh, we will actually go in furrow and that's in really good results. And one thing that we started to see, and that was a nice thing having the working relationship in place as we were testing it, it's like calling up Rob and saying, have you seen anything regarding saline spots and Rob going, yeah, I have, here's some pictures. We, we started to see it over a broad environment, something we never anticipated that it was actually helping the plant in saline spots, which are a problem in numerous states. And then it finally kind of hit us all at the same time. Well, that's how it was discovered was in heat vents that they're extremely high salt content. So here we're getting an added benefit, not just helping with drought stress and water utilization. Here, all of a sudden, we're getting better stands and gaining yield in saline spots, and none of us ever foresaw that happening. So Damien, crazy thing is, is two years ago, out of the whim, North Carolina State University reached out to us and said that they wanted to work with this product, and we didn't know what was going on. We actually charged them for the product, uh, which in university world, that never happens. But they <laughs> they uh, they had this, you know, they wanted to look at heat shield from a phosphorus availability standpoint. They had, they'd been to one of our meetings and heard us talk that there's some phosphorus utilization with heat shield. That's a secondary benefit, but they took heat shield out to North Carolina where they have a really hard time raising crops. And it's because of the heat that ensues in, in the, in the canopy of the plant. And two years ago, they started tracking the crop temperature canopy uh, with sensors to see if there was any changes with some of the different treatments that they put in the fields. And unbeknownst to us, we learned that heat shield was actually reducing the crop temperature by anywhere from 15 to 20 degrees during the canopy process. Um, we've since taken that out and, and bought thermal imagery cameras this past season. And you could literally go into fields that were treated with heat shield and feel the difference in temperature in the canopy. And that's almost too good to be true. It's hey, wait a minute. So what, you're, are you trying to tell me that you put something in, Lee goes out there and dribbles this along his seed bed and, and his planter. And then, and that's in the end of April, sometime in May. 
maybe yeah. in maybe in South Dakota it could be June because they the still has snow on the ground in May. But anyway, he goes out there in July. That's North Dakota, man. He goes, <laughs> he goes out there in July, and it it's not just that the plant is tolerating a hot July day better, but you say it actually brings down the ambient temperature. Is this true? Inside the canopy of the crop. Yeah, so we we actually yeah, um, under the canopy of the crop. Within our social media platforms and, and some of the videos we did, Rob actually did some videos this past summer um, being in the field, looking at different temperatures and taking thermometers and putting them in the ear of the plant and putting them in the, the xylem and phloem of the plant to try to monitor at a very medial level, you know, what that looks like. And, and again, with the thermal imager cameras, you know, being able to see a plant, you know, we have some pictures done in North Dakota on soybeans where you could visibly see a difference at the thermal imagery level of a plant that was treated with heat shield as a seed treatment versus something that was not. So, you know, there's a whole nother conversation that could be had here within this biospace of products that are offensive in nature and products that are defensive in nature. And heat shield is really one of these products that is a defensive type product. Um, the yield gains that you're getting with this particular product are, I think more of a protection and, and the fact that how that plant is saving and managing its energy that it can then put into yield at a later date. Um, it really plays along the lines of, of being a defensive type product. Whereas, you know, some of these nitrogen fixing bacteria that are in the marketplace today and, you know, PGRs and other technologies that are in the natural space are very offensive in nature. They push the plant to be more aggressive or more efficient and, and, and pushing the plant to maintain everything it can. So two very different conversations. And I don't think a lot of people fully understand where all these products fit in the marketplace, but the more we learn about heat shield and the more it interacts with the plant and the environment, this has really turned into almost an insurance play for our customers. Insurance play against it's going to be turned hot and dry, and it's, going to, save, it's going to save my crop. So it's that old thing of you know what? It, I'd love to sit here and tell you that if you put heat shield in, uh, you're going to make you know seven more bushels at six bucks, which is forty two dollars, and it's going to cost you whatever. And we'll talk here in a second to Lee about what those numbers look like. But you're saying, Matt and Rob, that the big benefit might be that you know at some point in July, August, you're going to have heat stress. What if this just keeps your thing going that's that 10 bushel that could have happened because of a meltdown and it's saving right. from that so that's kind of the play you think on this yeah one of the things too that that makes it really nice and we've kind of hinted around it but it can be applied on the seed it can be applied in the furrow and if you don't tank mix it with anything but water and make sure that water is clean you can foliar so we have the flexibility of hitting it you know, any time during the season and we can infect uh, the plant with this. It's kind of funny. I say infect and we get a bad connotation about You're that. Right. But we really truthfully are infecting that plant with this fungus. Yeah. And we'd, 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 we'd fungus. be better to call it treat, treat, treat's a nicer yeah, word. But it's fine. I'm not, I, it's, it's an infection, but it's a good one. Okay. Answer <laughs> it's me the one we want. Answer me this. It's not a good time of the year. It's not a good time right now in the, in the history of the world to be talking about infecting and uh, stuff. But uh, answer me this. Do I need one treatment only? Because, you know, Lee puts it down, dribbles alongside the seed and furrow. And then you said, you know, you can do it a couple of other ways. Is it going to behoove me to treat it more than once? You know, that's that's a great question. So originally, we, we this has evolved as a seed treatment product that has evolved into all these different levels. 
Uh, we started looking at heat shield foliar over the top of treated plants this past year and, and saw a decent response. And, you know, the more we learn about heat shield in a perfect world, if you believe a weather forecast and you think that that plant is going to get put under some hot, stressful conditions, it takes less than 12 hours to get heat shield into the plant. So um, there's definitely some things that we're looking at going into the 2022 season where we're looking at forecasts and saying, yeah, so, okay, so let's say 90 that, plus degree days, let's sure. go target that. Yeah, right. It is that fateful uh, July mm-hmm. day. Lee looks at his phone uh, the night before he goes to bed, says, holy crap, we're talking 93 degree highs every day this week. I right. can still get over this corn. I, I'm assuming there's a time for, I mean, by tasseling, it's probably too late, right? So by, no, by certain, no, 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 and no. That, that's the... We've got data that shows at tassel time how, how big of a response this particular product is. So it really becomes uh, it's a time it's a timing thing. You need to be slightly ahead of it, and we have some other technologies that need to be slightly even more ahead. But this one, what what I think happens is is this microbe, this fungus, it takes some time to build up counts in the plant, mm-hmm. and if you're just cruising along with nice weather. The, the fungal uh, growth is kind of limited. The plant isn't really stressing. And then all of a sudden you throw a ton of stress on, there's a delay and we can eliminate that delay in 12 hours. We can literally just load that plant with this, this fungal product and really just ramp up that effect immediately. Lee, let's talk numbers. Um, First off, you've clearly gotten a return. That's why you're still using it. You can tell me what kind of return looks like. And then the other question that is, do you see yourself ever being a, a two-timer? You see yourself being a treat at planting and then a treat uh, as a foliar when the plant has emerged, even in its second or third month of, let's call it second month of, uh, of growth. Would you see yourself doing that? We're going to start <clears throat> playing more with two passes this year, just from what they are seeing in their research. Yeah. And I've seen the North Carolina data and it was, it really just blew my socks off. It's like, wow, didn't even know it was capable of doing that. We've seen really good, consistent results applying it on our winter wheat in a seed treatment because like Robin Matt said, it colonizes, it's systemic, it colonizes on the roots. What we like about we're seeing good things on our winter wheat, we have a long window to colonize. So that's, we're seeing a really good return is on our winter wheat and the seed treatment because we have twice as long in periods of time to colonize versus corn or soybeans. Talk about numbers. Uh, you're the business guy. You're you're my, you're you're always there for me when we have these discussions. Money. It's a business. You, you know, you got a lot of acres to cover. You got seventeen thousand acres. You got to cover. You're talking about putting a second treatment on at least part of that, the corn acres, which is a significant percentage. Um, it must make sense, but. Talk to me about what the numbers look like just in years past, not going with what you're going to experiment with this year. It's obviously paid off. It's given us a consistent return and uh, your bank gets paid to handle money. We don't get paid to handle money. We, we've got to see a return or else it can't stay in the lineup. We're always trying new things, but once we got working with heat shield and we actually saw the physical changes in the plant, how it responded to stress better and, and staved off stress and stayed more functional. It's like, this is pretty cool. This is something we've never seen before where it's just been one treatment. So 
the more we've worked with it, the more enthusiasm we've had. And we like that they put it on in their seed treatment because, hey, then we don't even have to worry about applying it. It's already yeah, on. So now you're, you're going to not have to apply it at planting because it's in the seed you're going to use that is their proprietary product. But you are now saying, but I'm going to come back a second time, six, eight, 10 weeks later and go over the top. Yeah, we're, we're going to play with that on, on wheat and corn and potentially in soybeans because maybe we can build on that and just it's like giving the extra booster shot to our plant and then then we're even gaining more. So that that's part of the learning curve we're all trying to learn. I mean, the North Carolina deal kind of really all set us on our ear when we all got to look at that data because didn't really foresee that happening. And it's like, whoa, get your attention. Okay, so while we're though talking about it, you you like the benefits, you like what you're seeing, Lee. Somebody on this uh, episode needs to tell me real numbers. What are we talking about? Whether it's the North Carolina state data, uh, Lee Luber's data, Rob's other clients' data as the lead agronomist here for Hefty Naturals. What, what are some result numbers that are tangible that I can touch? Yeah, so this past year, 2021, we had two different trials at North Carolina State University. One was a 16 bushel advantage. The second was a 12 bushel advantage. That compares to the last year, 2020 data, where we saw an average of a 14 bushel advantage with the North Carolina State data. So that's that's directly related to them. Uh, you've got a member within the Extreme Ag Group down in Georgia that saw over a 20 bushel advantage this year within using Heat Shield. Uh, and then I'm not for sure if Kevin Matthews has shared his data yet or not. But I think they saw anywhere from a five to eight bushel advantage directly uh, with them and, and how he used that as an inferno space. Uh, historically, what we have seen with heat shield internally uh, is roughly that six to eight bushel advantage. Um, and from a costing standpoint, when we're talking roughly an 850 $8. an acre yeah. uh, number to the grower, uh, it doesn't take many bushels to ROI that out. So, you know, okay. that's specifically yep. to corn. Yeah, so let's, stay, let's stay. Let's stay with corn on those numbers. You know, it's the old thing of let's make sure our comparisons are are like comparisons. So, man, you just said eight dollars and fifty cents. Is that also what I'm paying myself for my sprayer time, or is that just product? That's yeah, product. so that that's just product, and you know whether that's going in the tank at that at planting time with the planter, or you know you're making that separate application. The actual raw cost of the product is roughly eight fifty an acre. Okay, so eight fifty, and then uh, let's say Lee wants to give himself seven bucks an acre for the sprayer, and he's going to do just a foliar treatment. You're at fifteen bucks right there. Fifteen bucks, though, we're talking you can pre-sell five to six dollar corn. And you just said your worst averages that you saw were six to eight bushel bump, and you might even be talking up to sixteen. So after the third bushel of bump, you're making money. Um, you know, for that, if it's one more bushel, can you justify the time? No, but for eight more bushels at five to six bucks, you know, 40 bucks, and you can cover a lot of acres in an hour. So that does, it does pencil out. Drawbacks or any mistakes or hiccups, Lee Lubers? Uh, like we talked about, uh, all of us is delivery method. On any biological is getting the right delivery method. Uh, yeah, on seed treatments, we have great luck. In furrow, we've had good luck uh, because we're not putting it with directly antagonizing yeah. chemicals. Uh, but on the foliar side, it's apparently very evident that a standalone application is going to be the best return. And again, people got to condition themselves like, 
I just put this in this little jar. This is going to handle 40 acres. And it's like, yes. Uh, So it's kind of a new frontier that we're into. Mm -hmm. And uh, hey, we don't mind that. That's how we get better. So we're going to take that little bottle and we're going to put it in there in with just our treated water uh, and and go for it. You know, try to add more. Rob Fritz, lead at Gramas for Hefty Naturals in 30 seconds or less. What does the person that's not using this or that's considering using this need to know? The operator that's out there saying, man, this sounds pretty cool. Oh, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to give this a whirl. You know, we've got a really flexible application system here. The big take home is we don't want something bad to happen to it before it gets into the plant. So, you know, we talked about be careful about what you mix it with. Uh, one of the things we found out that was really cautious or was a real issue to us is like guys will run an inferral space. They'll be throwing in like ammoniated zinc, ammoniated zinc. It's all dead, you know? So we have to make sure, like Lee said, we need to be using water. We need to make sure that water is clean. We need to make sure that we're not going to accidentally kill it in the tank because the real uh, product. This product is good. Is a good product. We know that it does. It's a. It's a. It's a nice, safe system to add tolerance to the plant for all these stresses. But we just have to keep it alive, get it into the plant, and then let it do its thing. And uh, that's probably the number one take home. And we've been bit many times by surprises, you know. And we've got a lot of experience now. So I'm sure somebody's going to find something we don't know about <laughs> that's hard on this bug, but um, you know we can really do our best to guide, guide guide people to the best opportunity for it to work. And then I hope you have a season where it rains an inch every week, and it's there's never a bad day. It's always 86 degrees, and then our product doesn't do anything for you, and you make record yields. But that is not South Dakota uh, where we're from. Uh, ever except for one year in my 20 some odd years of work I, so. I, don't, I, I don't think i don't think that's going to be an issue anywhere so your advice is, in a nutshell was it's it's different than your average glyphosate or something you've been handling Absolutely. for the last 40 years this stuff's a living product uh, rely on the trials that you've done there at hefty naturals rely on the advice from guys like lee lubers that have put it over a number of acres for a number of years but also handling this product is very different than something that's you know been sitting in the shed for three years and you can just toss it in the tank mix matt uh any last thoughts while we're talking about heat shield as the brand manager you've uh yeah. you've got it out there for a while you can do it as a seed treatment do it in furrow do it foliar it's got a lot of applications. It's got a lot of benefits. It sounds like it can work into a lot of systems. Regardless of the bioproduct in the marketplace, of if it's us or anybody, I tell any grower, you know, this has really been where the dollars have been invested in this market over the past 10 years from an innovation standpoint. And there's a lot of skepticism of whether these products work or don't work. But until growers try it in their own operations and their own situations on a limited scale, uh, the trust factor has to be built. And, you know, the only way we can do that is to work with individual operators and and build that data set internally. So I just say, you know, continue to have an open mind and, you know, continue to look at these products, but work with valued, trusted suppliers that are bringing this technology to market. Um, You know, they're they're in it to, at least for us, try to educate the market. So that's our big thing. If the listener viewer wants to know more about this, where do we find you? 
Yeah, go to www.heftyseed.com backslash naturals. Uh, we've got our whole webpage there with all of our information. If a grower is local to one of our 49 locations across the United States, any of our hefty locations will have the ability to uh, have a conversation about these products more in detail. I should also point out that uh, Lee Lubers is a great resource and he's been on here. If you are a listener or viewer, I encourage you to go back, check out past episodes. We've got more than 50 of them down, 60 of them, I think it is now. We've got a lot of great episodes covering a lot of topics. Lee is on there a bunch. We've talked about everything from tax management to uh, to no-till, which he does across almost every one of his 17,000 acres to the, the benefits of encouraging earthworms. So there's a guy here with Lee that's also helping you advance your farming game. And uh, if he says, uh, take check out Heat Shield, Lee, should they check out Heat Shield? Give it a try. You won't regret it. I think we're going to leave it right there. Until next time, he's Matt Thompson and Rob Fritz, lead agronomist and brand manager at Hefty Naturals, Lee Lubers, Gregory, South Dakota's own uh, extreme ag founder. I'm Damian Mason. Until next time, it's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out extremeag.farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.